Peter. Yes. I've got some bad news for you. Oh, not again. What is it this time? I think time? I've caught your cold from last time we recorded. I was I was breathing down the microphone quite a bit. Yeah, so I, I'm sorry to any listeners to this. I found sound a bit husky. Uh, I'm feeling well enough to record, though, but there's another bit of bad news, which is that I was going through my Edge of the Earth cards and I realised we actually haven't yet finished them. I was positive after the last one we finished them. I told all the listeners, Frank, that we were finished. That we were done. We're not. Um, so we're going to need to spin those wheels again. Well, okay. I mean, this is the this, this, the silver lining to you forgetting to do stuff. I do get to play with the wheel. Take it away. Okay. What's it landed on, Peter? <laughs> it's landed on Guardian. That's quite exciting, isn't it? Okay, well, we're going to need a guest to help us do the Guardian cards. I'm going to spin my wheel. Oh, oh, it's Brandon. Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. We're sometimes fortnightly, we're sometimes monthly. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Doing great, doing excellently. Excited to talk about some more cards, and even more excited, because today we are joined by... It's me, Brandon. Hello. Good morning, gents. Good morning, Brandon. I didn't take you for such early risers, but I'm here with my coffee, ready to talk some Guardian cards. I'm excited. We're both Fantastic. almost asleep, aren't we? We've got our cups of cocoa. <laughs> so British. So, Brandon, if people uh, don't immediately recognise your voice and the name, how might people have come across you in the Arkham community? Yeah, so I am uh, pretty plugged into the Arkham community via my YouTube channel, Optimal Play. It's at youtube.com slash optimal play. It's not actually strictly an Arkham channel. We, we uh, have content about lots of board games, including uh, play uh, mostly playthroughs recorded live at the table. Uh, but Arkham is my favorite game, and that does reflect in the amount of, of our content that's about Arkham. Yeah, it's awesome. It's just really nice to see video content for Arkham. There's quite a bit out there, but also I think seeing the like live play, like playing at the table is something that really drew me to it. It's really good to have you on the cast. And tell me, why why did you volunteer to do Guardian cards with us? I mean, I know you were chosen at random by the wheel, <laughs> but um, yeah, what is it that gets you excited about Guardian? Yeah, I didn't know it was random. I actually thought you were just trying to pair classes with hair color of your guests. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it works out well because I do love Guardian. I consider it my favorite class. Uh, it's for a couple reasons. For one, I've always been kind of a support player in games like whether it's League of Legends or World of Warcraft. Like I like to be that tank or that healer, the person who's keeping my allies uh, safe and healthy. And I actually kind of think of in a lot of ways Guardian is one of, if not the biggest support class, because handling the enemies, taking them off of the people who are actually making progress on the scenario via clues is a very supportive, tanky activity. Um, and on top of that, they are also, uh, not that I use a lot of healing in Arkham per se, uh, but they, they do have some of the best healing cards that they fit that support role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And, and then also, like, this is a horror game where we're confronting grisly, unspeakable monsters, and why would you want to run from them or outsmart them when you can smash them with a hammer or shoot them with a gun <laughs> or burn them with a flamethrower, you know? Like, <laughs> Guardian brings the action you want in Arkham. Yeah, it's that, like, pulp side of the mythos, right? If you're going to be doing shooting shooting Cthulhu in the face with a shotgun, it's going to be Guardians probably doing that. Exactly. It may not be the truest to uh, what Lovecraft wanted us to get out of the material, but it's uh, you know it's it's the way I like to confront what gets put in front of us. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. I love you highlighting the support side of Guardian as well, because for so long in the history of the game, Guardian's been just about being as direct as possible and killing enemies, and actually, yeah. Peter and I happened to be chatting today, earlier today, about the role of healing. You know, just mm. one of the casual Sunday chats that we indulge in. And Who doesn't? About, yeah, about that tension between healing and tempo and how can you support your team while also making progress. Right. And Soak as well. I, I got back from playing Arkham yesterday and I was, I was gripped by an urge to make a spreadsheet with every single card that can soak either damage or horror to assess which are the best last night. Uh, and then I had to share my results with Frank. <laughs> of course, by way of a quiz. I don't think I have once in my life been gripped by the urge to make a spreadsheet. <laughs> that, is, uh, that is pretty impressive. Peter makes fun of me for my spreadsheets and calls me Frank Numbers Brinkley. But <laughs> I think we're actually kindred spirits in some way. I, I'm sure I don't. It's not the spreadsheets that I, I take the mick out of you for directly. Okay, it's the rest. <laughs> it's, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Well, shall we read our first card then? Yeah, yeah, and as is tradition, shall we ask the guest to read out the first card? Take it away, Brandon. I'd be happy to. Uh, so we're, we're going right into the leveled up Guardian cards, right? So we're starting with Gang Up. It Absolutely, is yeah. a level one Guardian event that costs three resources. It has a willpower and a combat icon, if you wanted to use it that way. It's spirit and synergy traded, and then says fight. For each different class among cards you control, you get plus one combat and deal plus one damage for this attack. You me- mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. Beautifully oh, read. Who is it in that gang? <laughs> They're pretty rough. What's, so the the guy on the far right, has he got like a... I'm trying to figure out what he's, ha- he's holding. Is it like a hammer? Yeah, I um, think so. Good question. Hammer to the tummy. It's hammer yeah, to the He's tummy. Ow. Like a weird, a weird angle as well. Well, I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that you brought up the art because one thing that I'm just gonna go go straight into my gripe with this card, if that's okay. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. What what is happening here? Obviously, this is like a posse of people um, attacking a ghoul together. But why does my holding a grizzly totem in my hand make that stronger? Like empower the mob. <laughs> like I I kind of I don't I don't get this the flavor of synergy. Does does this make sense to either of you? Yeah, it, it's it's a lot of the cards, especially is it called Call for Aid? Is that the neutral Call one? Call for Backup. Call, Call for, for Backup. backup. That's yeah. it. Th- that's very obviously like a gang of people, all from different classes, all standing together. So that mm-hmm. very much flavors it as here's all my mates from the different classes. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't necessarily know that how that translates to you having cards of different factions. Yeah, I think it's definitely one of the more abstract, like in a game that I feel like delivers so f- so frequently and so beautifully on like the flavor coming through in the mechanics. I feel like synergy is a little bit of a miss in that department. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Yeah, it's much more abstract than the idea of like, if you have an ally from each of the following factions, it gets better. 
it's much more just like if you've dabbled at all yeah so yeah good point is this card any good then <sighs> i think if your synergy is one probably not but does that uh, apply three to cost for a plus one plus one is not great and i've said on all of our synergy chats that i think two is okay and three is good and i think paying three resources for a plus two plus two is actually feels quite beefy already at that point and then if you're paying three for a plus three and dealing four damage mm. that starts to feel like really impressive <laughs> so so yeah i would say even at synergy two i i'm kind of intrigued by this card and synergy three plus i think it just starts to become huge so yes i think that any event that can get to those really high damage uh counts for one action is interesting my problem with this is I think that, or I, I love the card Radiant Smite, which is comparable to this in a lot of ways. It's the same level. It scales its damage with a, an effect that you kind of build around via blesses instead of how many class cards you're trying to put into play. But that is two mm-hmm. resources cheaper. And I yeah. think it is easier to have a few blesses in the bag to, to max out that Radiant Smite at four damage than it is to have four, uh, well, I guess, okay, three different class cards in play but yeah i don't think this compares favorable to that which i think is the closest analog so for me i think it doesn't necessarily fall into the hole that some of the other synergy cards might which is i kind of feel like you might want to play gang up towards the end of the scenario like if if you've got a a big enemies come out often that'll be towards the end, end of the scenario especially if you're playing like the latter the last scenario in a campaign and that's the point at which you've got things set up. So if you've got all of your your kind of spells out, your dual class spells out and things like that to bump up your synergy level, that's the time you might want to play gang up and it's the time it's going to be the most effective. So I think from that point of view, it doesn't fall necessarily into the trap that maybe some of the other synergy cards fall into. But it doesn't give you like a nice baseline of efficiency like I think um, like Radiant Smite might do as well gives you a better kind of base level there mm-hmm. where you could play it at any point during the scenario for it to be useful you're not going to feel too upset playing radiant smite if you're only using it for like i need to just do two damage to get this done whereas if you're paying three resources to do two damage with gang up you're maybe hurting yeah yeah, yeah. i like your point like it is a it, you do want it to build up to be a huge explosion and that plays favorably with how synergy works like if your synergy deck is just about how quickly you can get to synergy four or five this obviously doesn't help with that and it's a nice payoff but you might not need that payoff till late late is most likely when you'd have the resources for this too right since you're done setting up guardians aren't Mm -hmm. usually rolling in resources so i don't know I, i just look at the three costs on this as a pretty big obstacle which yeah, I think there, there's a there's an event coming up later that I'm going to argue is well worth its three resource costs. So that's clearly not <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not a blanket rule. But yeah, to to me, this card is very expensive. The, the only thing I'd add as well is that I've seen anecdotally a patron of the cast talking about playing this in Carolyn, hmm. and Carolyn obviously has this amazing class access with Mystic and Seeker already in her pool. So she can get to Synergy 3 pretty easily, but she also has access, if she wants it, to Liquid Courage or to Peter Sylvester, and she generates loads of resources. So, yeah, maybe I'm a bit warmer towards the card because I've seen someone <laughs> raving about it, but that's just one one person. Hi, Di. 
it's intriguing to see how maybe there are people who will really enjoy working around making this really potent. And that's great. Good for them. I do like the idea of a that uh, Carolyn leading this gang of people all like beating the crap out of a monster lying on the floor as well. Monster Bob, Carolyn. Just yep, like, exactly. get him. <laughs> well, next we do have a, a t- another fight event next. So next we've got Sweeping Kick. This is one cost uh, level one event. It, it has a, a combat and an agility pip and it has the spirit, tactic and trick traits. And it says, fight. Add your agility to your skill value for this attack. This attack deals plus one damage. If you succeed, automatically evade the attacked enemy. Very goodly. Now, again. I think that this being right after a gang up in the pack, just like, this puts gang up to shame. I mean, this card's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor gang up. Yeah, yeah. This, unlike gang up, it's priced to be played early in the game. And as long as you have more than one agility it's something that you could play potentially while you're still looking for your weapon or dealing with a very early enemy yeah to to get a couple points of damage out just from this card alone and the automatic evade can, can be sometimes you might just play this because it's it's a fight event and will kill the enemy but also that automatic evade i've played with this card and have seen it be really clutch against some big hit point enemies yeah i really like um stunning blow as a as a splash in any other faction, if you've got like one survivor card you can take, stunning blow is a lovely one to pick. And this, if you compare it to stunning blow, obviously it costs an XP and a resource, but the fact that it'll boost your skill value by more, it'll deal extra damage. It's a fight event, so anything which is triggering off fight events is also firing off that as well. I think is is to I've not played with this. Hearing you saying it's good doesn't surprise me at all because I think stunning blow is really good. And this is like mm-hmm. a souped-up stunning blow. It's a vicious blow plus a stunning blow. Yeah, there you go. Both right. blows at once. I really like that this is also spirit and trick traded, which opens it up to Calvin and to Rita. Mm-hmm. I know that this card was announced a little while ago and Maxine has talked about how she likes how different people use the card differently. Rita getting an automatic evade out of this means that she can turn it into a three damage hit Mm. or move away. And Calvin, obviously, he gets to just mash his physical stats together. So it could go to, you know, he could be kicking at six or at eight. And again, for Calvin, I think it's really cool because he really wants compression in his actions. He can pass a lot of tests towards the end of a scenario, but he actually wants those tests to be impactful. And this gives you extra damage and an evade all in one test. So I think that's, that's really cool. And then I also like just thematically that there's quite a few low agility guardians. So they don't care as much about the adding the agility for the boost, but they like that they get an evade out of it. Like I love right. how sort of counterintuitive that is. But what was the card we were talking about? It was Cyclopean Hammer, I think. The idea that the Cyclopean Hammer can move enemies away from someone makes it into a pseudo evade. And this is a similar thing. Like I can see myself playing this card against an enemy engaged with someone else, not necessarily to kill them, but because the evade is what they really want. Like, I'm saving the action to engage and then evade just by kicking the enemy in the back of the head. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 an evade with some damage, or it's some damage that also evades. Uh, and it's based yeah. off your fight. It's based on a fight action and your combat, which makes it appealing for a lot of guardians off the bat. 
Yeah, and it's just it's inexpensive and flexible, which is what I look mm-hmm. for in my events, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think this is going to see a, see a lot of play for me. And for completionists, Nathaniel also adds a damage. I know there'll be someone who'll say, "Oh yeah, Nathaniel adds a damage." <laughs> just going to throw that out there. I'm next to read, and we have defensive stance. This is a one XP skill. It's practiced and expert traded. While defensive stance is in your hand or committed to a skill test. It gains combat icons equal to your agility and agility icons equal to your combat. You slide your feet into position, take a deep breath and center yourself. They are many, but you are one. If you're experiencing deja vu right now, I have read this card on the cast before when we announced it. So yeah, it's a familiar card. This is the Guardian... What are we calling these cards, Peter? Oh, Stack mashers. Skill, yeah, skill mashers, I was going to call them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, they don't all have the same trait, right? So there's no, you can't, they're, they're not the expert skills or anything consistent mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. What do you make of this, Brandon? Because we've, we've talked about it before on the cast. Yeah, I'm of mixed feelings on these. I think for the most part, I want to get some utility, something more than just uh, extra skills, extra stats out of a skill card that I'm spending experience on. But I was talking about this with my friend Kyle after we were playing some earlier this week, and he pointed out, like, if you if you look at these, and this one, I think th- this goes for all of them, as a way to shore up your weakest skill by a lot, right? To take, mm-hmm. to take your two agility as some guardian and add your six combat to it so that all of a sudden you can almost definitely evade or whatever it is. Uh, and you're getting up to that plus five, plus six range. Like, it's comparable to, say, Winnie's signature. Is that anything you can do I can do better? Or maybe it's just anything you can do. Yeah, that's right. That yeah. starts to get pretty convincing. Yeah. At just one experience. So yeah, I haven't I haven't played it yet. I'm I'm not really sure, but have have you had a chance to throw this in any decks? I definitely think Kyle's onto something here. I think they're probably gonna be better in in investigators where you've got a big differential in those stats and mm-hmm. you might need to do something with that other stat on occasion. So maybe we underrated defensive stance when I read this the first time. <laughs> I think it's that feeling of, you know, take Nathaniel again, as I just mentioned him. This is an overpower if he's doing a combat check for him. It's plus two agility, but it's plus five to his agility if he's needing to evade. Hmm. So it's almost like, would you spend one XP to remove the draw ability from overpower and add this extra ability that you can give yourself a clutch evade if you want to? And when I think about it like that, I'm a bit more intrigued. Yeah. I think broadly speaking, like I love making these sweeping statements, but broadly speaking, when people upgrade decks, how often are people looking for ways of shoring up weaknesses? You know, ah, oh, in the last scenario, if only I had a card that would have helped me with a clutch evade, that would have been so much better. I don't know how much often people are doing that when they're upgrading and how often they're actually instead upgrading with like, well, my first 15 XP is all of these big weapons or you know, my, my luxury upgrades right. and is luxury the right word? No, core upgrades. Luxury is what comes later. So yeah, I think that's where this maybe falls down. I, I think one of the other things mm. we should bear in mind when we look at these is what, did Davi call it the off-class tax or something? Mm-hmm. So, so the, the idea of a card being 1 XP gives you a very easy access to, um, it's, it's, it's an almost core skill for someone who upgrades into the faction we're talking about. So mm-hmm. Lily can take this, and it's not one of her level zero guardian cards. Hmm. So if 
she can't easily... T- I mean, the thing is, it depends on what access you've got on level zero to the cards in that faction. Uh, so in Lily, you'd, I don't know whether there's that many just big punch skill cards anyway. You know, maybe something like Steadfast or, or um, Daring or something daring, like that, yeah. which are both yeah. giving you... But but if you, if you take Daring, that's a level zero Guardian card slot gone. Defensive Stance, if it's giving you a similar boost to Daring... But not using one of those slots means that slot can be used on something else. And the fact that it's one XP sort of allows that. So maybe huh. that makes it a little bit more appealing. To Lily, specifically, yeah. not to anyone else. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That's really interesting. I sure hadn't thought about this as a way, as, as it being beneficial that it's not level zero. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. The, the edge investigators really twist the way we think about deck building in a few different ways, and that's an interesting one. You weirdly look for the one XP cards because they're your, quote, main class. It's the class that you're upgrading into that is going to be your main. So you want, in theory, you want a lot of easy-to-buy one XP cards that you fill out your deck quickly to make that transition if that's what's worrying you yeah exactly if you only buy if your first 10 xp is just one weapon two copies of it your deck actually has stayed pretty similar to your starting class this is why i think that the is it in the thick of it it, is it called the thick of it in the thick of it yeah. in the thick of it that the permanent that gives you trauma in exchange for three xp Mm. uh, it's it's such an interesting cycle to have that card available now because you can grab three cards like defensive stance. I'm not saying take defensive stance with that XP, but <laughs> you heard it here first. You heard it here first. Some nice kind of core um, skills from the class you're upgrading into, which are going to be like useful parts of your build. So when I was building a, that Daniela deck for a level zero campaign, you know, to Jessica Hyde straight away is a really nice thing for Daniela to have available from scenario one. Yeah, and, and you know, maybe these fit into that kind of picture. I think not not to be a broken record, but if you have those few XP to spend, get Sweeping Kick first. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I, I said this about Gang Up and now Defensive Stance. I think Sweeping Kick fills a similar role to Defensive Stance, honestly. If if what you're doing, um, like Frank said, was you're, you need a clutch of aid now and then, like yeah. Sweeping Kick gives that to you with the versatility to use it for, uh, for its damage as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the situations where you don't want to kill the enemy, but you really want to evade them as a guardian are pretty slim. Few and far between, yeah. Maybe in Forgotten Age, but... Yeah. Okay, do you want to take us on to our next card? Yeah, I'd love to. Next, we're getting to the uh, getting to the exciting stuff. Our first guardian weapon of this set of cards. It's the level 2, 3-cost butterfly swords. Uh, it has a combat and an agility icon. It's an item, a weapon, and it's melee traded. And then says, action, fight, you get plus one combat for this attack. After this attack, you may exhaust butterfly swords to fight again, adding your agility to your skill value for that attack. That attack deals plus one damage. Uh, oh, and it takes up two hand slots, I don't think I said. In a, pra- in a practiced grip, they are an extension of the empty hand. Have you, have you had a chance to try this yet? I haven't yet. It's this weird situation as well where, spoiler, there's another version coming up as well. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting about the stepping stones. I just, it really jumped out to me with the flavor there. They're an extension of the empty hand. And like the empty hand, they don't deal any extra damage. (laughs) Unless you try really hard. Yeah. I did play with these. Um, I've played just a a little bit of Lily so I could try some of these cards out. I found this to be pretty good, actually. 
being getting pl and and I I built Lily. I used her combat discipline, so her combat was pretty good. Like plus one for for the first attack was generally enough to hit. And then and then this option to take that second attack for plus one damage. Like that's a that's a three damage weapon with no ammo. Um, obviously once per round for the three damage because it exhausts. But that that felt pretty good for a two experience card. And you can do if you've got a four health enemy. That's two actions to kill mm -hmm. it, which is what you'd get off a two damage weapon anyway. So the, the action ability being one damage base sort of thing, it, it's not it's not necessarily a big hindrance. Agreed. Yeah, it's it's when you get to five hit point enemies that this starts to. Well, I mean, I yes. guess that would be three actions with a machete and three actions with this. Mm, uh, one, two, three, four. Yeah, that works. Yeah, <laughs> I can't count. <laughs> so. I think the the really interesting and the really hard to evaluate thing about this card is the and I don't mean I don't mean interesting in the way you you use it to mean the opposite <laughs> of good. Of good, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, what what makes this hard to evaluate to me is the two tests aspect. Uh, it has a lot of pros and cons. Like, unless I'm misunderstanding this card, you can attack two different enemies in one action with this, right? You can mm. you can take that first attack and then exhaust this to fight. It doesn't say to fight the same enemy, and so that's potentially a huge upside if you're if you're swarmed by enemies. And, and then there's lots of ways you can throw skill cards into one test and not the other. Like you have potentially a lot of flexibility in how you do that. Kind of on the flip side, when it's two tests to get this the amount of damage that some weapons do in one test, you have twice as much chance to auto fail and miss some of it. If you're trying to, or your team is trying to keep blesses in the bag, you're taking that many more tests and burning through them faster. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of pros and cons that I haven't figured out kind of where I where I come out the other side of. And, and interestingly, that there is a weapon in this pack, in fact, that we'll look at later, which has the flip side of that. It combines more actions into one, so you only take a single mm -hmm. test. So whichever side of the fence you come down on, you've got a card that's supporting you. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, <laughs> got the options either way. You're reminding me of um, of one two punch as well. Some of the same decision points about that. Like the first hit isn't as strong as the second of the level zero version. And I often found myself playing that card, like committing quite a lot to the first hit because I wanted the second hit, even though normally the logic would be that you commit more to the hit that will do more damage in theory so it's a sort of it sort of skews things doesn't it and this is a similar thing that you might find yourself committing more to the first hit to make sure it lands because you want to get that extra action as it were to get that second attack you can attack yeah but it doesn't have to succeed oh that's true right it's just after. It's not then or anything. Okay. Or if this attack is a, a successful. I mean, that's, well, that's that's one up on the one-two punch then as yeah. well, isn't the, it? The downside is, of course, mm -hmm. that you have to exhaust it before you know what's going to happen. So if you fluff that second attack, then it's exhausted. And that's a mm. point I'm sure is not going to be relevant at all again in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I'm thinking of with this card is Galvanize which is a card from Nathaniel's deck that I really want to play with, but have often found it hard to find homes for. So it's two-cost event, it's fast, you can play it during your turn, you get to ready a guardian asset you control, and you get an additional action during your turn, which can only be used to fight. It feels like, Gal you know, I thought of Galvanize in terms of readying a beat cop or readying a Greta Wagner, but Galvanize to ready butterfly swords and go again seems pretty cool to me. I mean, I know I'm just adding a card to the mix here to make this card even better, but I think 
it would be a nice card to have up your sleeve to protect you if you're um, worried about exactly that situation of exhausting the swords, missing the hit, and being stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think Galvanize is an amazing combo with this. I, I I put it in the deck where I was testing out Butterfly Swords, and then it always it it always found its way to the bottom five cards, and I literally never drew Galvanize, so I never <laughs> never got to do the uh, the Whirling Blades vision that I had, but. Um, I do. I do think that's that's a no brainer to include if you're running butterfly swords. Okay, cool. I feel a, a bit better about myself for thinking of that. Then, <laughs> Peter, do you want to read us the next card? Yeah, I'd love to. We have Dodge. This is a zero cost event. It is two uh, two XP. It has a willpower and two agility icons, and it has the tactic trait. Fast play when an enemy attacks an investigator at your location. Cancel that attack. Then, test one agility. If you succeed, deal one damage to that enemy. So this obviously is a new higher level version of an existing card. Probably most of your listeners are familiar with dodge. I think this is well worth the two experience because any reactive card like this or treachery cancels, taking them down to zero cost is just hugely powerful. Yes. you're, You're never stuck in the moment where you wish you could play this and you don't have the resources to do so. Hmm, yeah. And what do we make then of this uh, then ability, chucking a, an agility test into Guardian, having had us just pan agility for some of this uh, this recording? I mean, it's it's only difficulty one, right? It's not a particularly, I don't know whether it's a particularly high stakes test there, is it? I mean, if you fail, I don't know whether it's necessarily the end of the world, unless you've, like, a, it's the crucial last damage on uh, on a monster <laughs> you want to you wanna kill. This This card is the most frustrating... That Daniela can't take it, I think. Yes, definitely. Because being able to... You could deal with a two-health enemy without doing anything then. You just wait for it to attack, cancel its attack, deal damage with this, and deal damage with Daniela. And you're, in, and you're home free. So that not, being, <laughs> that not being available to her, it probably stings the most out of all of the cards. Yeah, if anyone's seen my... Uh card review videos uh you know that i love a good rant and i'm pretty sure i I, when we recorded this one i I went off about this is in daniela's box where her card explicitly mentions canceling attacks and then they put this card (laughs) in the same box and she can't take it yeah (laughs) odd timing my my favorite thing about the the then um the agility test is actually like the flavor of it like what do you picture when you test a one difficulty test it's it's like checking whether your shoes are tied (laughs) <laughs> it's uh it's yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty low stakes that damage is nice to have i guess i could see it just going to waste a lot of the time because it's a two hit point enemy and you are gonna yeah. hit it for two on your next turn anyway so i definitely think the discounted price is is the main selling point here i i tend to agree that the reduction to zero is really really nice like it's the same as on lucky right having zero co- zero cost lucky is just it feels Absolutely. so good that you can play whatever you want. I sort of feel like this is quite low down my upgrade priority list, though. I think 2 XP for that being the main benefit. It does have a nice selection of icons, which, you know, is always nice. And Dodge is one of those cards that... It's a bit like Shortcut in that you can always just play it. It's very rare that it's a totally a dead card. There's almost always enemies around (laughs) who want to attack you, or attack your allies. But... For it being the main benefit to drop the cost down, it feels a little bit steep for the 2 XP. 
it's making me look at defensive stance again. <laughs> oh, really? If we're playing that kind of classic guardian, I'm going to use my combat to deal with enemies, and we're not sure about taking defensive stance because it's not giving us that bigger combat boost. It's like, oh, if we're including cards that also make us test agility, suddenly defensive stance does a bit more duty in that in that regard. But yeah, it's a weird one. I was trying to find a home for it in terms of investigators, and I think I, w- I went to Lily because you could start with the agility discipline and have four agility, mm-hmm. and then this test is really trivial. You know, that's comfortably our highest agility guardian, right? Mark has... Mark has three, but I think everyone else is two or lower. Mm. Yeah, and it's a slight tangent, but I do think that the agility discipline is Lily's best discipline for for its ability, also. And so, mm-hmm. so it is, I think, likely to, if not the first, be the second discipline that I take as I level up Lily. And and then mm-hmm. I agree. Once once you're at four agility, um, this card's pretty dang strong. Because the only other thing I can think is that it's an event, so Nathaniel could do two damage with it. But he's an agility two, so he's got to work quite hard to get that two damage, I'd say. And there's so many other events that you might want to include with Nathaniel for more damage than this. It's a funny one, actually, as well. Like, Peter, what you said about people running dodge, it's it's one of those cards, I think, it's not been completely ubiquitous. I feel like it's come in and out, and out of favour, depending on who's around. Like, you think about when Tommy came out, no one was putting, well, many, few people were putting Dodge and Tommy because he was just soaking everything. And then, you know, every so often there'll be people saying, well, look, Dodge is a really good off-class pick. If you're fighting a boss, it's going to keep you alive. It doesn't care about how much damage or horror you're going to take. It'll cancel one hit. It's a strange one to me because I don't think I've played Dodge for quite a long time and maybe moved more to that position of if I'm going to take hits, I'm going to take hits and I'm going to mitigate my health and sanity in other ways. But I know there are people out there who love it and for whom it's a, a staple. Yeah, and, and playing Daniela, and I, I know she's not relevant to the discussion on, on Dodge Level 2, but she certainly gives you an appreciation for how you can leverage those attacks into 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 tempo increase. Mm-hmm. So you're not just avoiding being hit, you're actually doing something else. Other things are triggering based off the attack as well. Before we recorded, I said to Peter... <laughs> Are you going to be gutted that we're not talking about Daniela because you've been talking about it all weekend and these cards are explicitly not Daniela cards and you've you've found a way of getting it in. I'm proud <laughs> of you. Well played. <laughs> I'll move us on. This is combat training. It's a zero cost three XP guardian asset, double combat and double agility icons, talent and composure traded, fast, limit one composure in play. You get plus one combat and plus one agility. Non-direct damage slash horror must be assigned to combat training before it can be assigned to your investigator card. Free trigger, spend one resource. You get plus one combat or plus one agility for this skill test. And it can soak three health and one sanity. One of the things that's really come across in this series so far is how how much I'm coming round to these upgraded composure cards. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't... It's not like I didn't think they were good originally i was kind of probably fairly neutral on them but the more i look at them the more i think i really like them i did a bit of math maths on soaking and actually having four combined soak on a zero cost card that's fast that's really good (laughs) especially (laughs) on is it grounded that's two two yeah yeah so it's not dying instantly if you put put one sanity on it like combat training is but you know regardless 
like that soak without anything else is good. And it, I don't know whether you noticed this, but it gives you two stat boosts. <laughs> just straight <laughs> yeah. off the bat. Just here, here you go. Zero cost, two stat boosts. Have fun. Yeah, I think these upgraded composures are amazing. I think they're they're potentially the best talents, at least the best like spend resources to pump your skills talents that we've seen yet. Yeah, um, since maybe since the the permanents. Yeah, they, right, right. They they have this obvious weakness of they can get taken out by in the case of combat training most likely horror since it has three damage soak and one horror soak. Um, but even if it only sticks around for a round or two, it was fast, it cost zero, and it buffed two of your stats for that period of time. Like, that's yeah. that's better than most skill cards are, at least. And if if you really don't have an ally or anything else to kind of take that soak first in play, it's got double combat or double agility icons. Like, it's fine to throw throw into a test, too, if you really don't think, if you really think it would just go away as soon as you played it. So I've played these a little bit, and I don't think I've ever spent a single resource on on actually boosting the ability <laughs> via, via the kind of classic talent, um, increase your, your skill by spending resources. I've just played it for the plus one, plus one, and the soak, and it has felt totally worth it. That's one of the things I was going to say, actually, so thanks thanks for validating me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's fine. I think there's a lot of things on here that are all good, and and using any bit of it I think is good as well. I even like that... It's limit one in play, but it's also got two combat and two agility icons as well. So when you draw the second one, you've still got something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just keep it for when uh, the first one gets pinged. I think the history of the game is the thing that maybe meant... Not that not that we've been explicit on the cast, but maybe we were slower to come around to these. Certainly when we were planning these second look episodes, we said to... to guests, you know, oh, if you don't want to focus on the composures too much, that's fine. <laughs> But every guest has said, well, actually, the composures are really good. And it's almost like it's because the original composures came out the cycle after the Dunwich permanence. And we compared plucky and combat training to, I've chosen the two worst classes, those, (laughs) Keen Eye and Scrapper. We compared Moxie to Streetwise and Scientific Theory to Higher Education. And those came off worse in the comparison, obviously. They weren't permanent to start with. Whereas now, I think... You know, if Edge of the Earth was the next cycle after Dunwich, and these were our stat boosters, there'd probably be a lot more noise about how potent they are. Because, mm. yeah, to, to play it in, and as soon as it's in, it's doing work, and that the free-triggered ability at the bottom is almost just the cherry on top, is actually amazing. I, I will say also, one thing that... Uh, one of my other mini rants has been about how <laughs> annoying it is when a cycle of these talents or something like that takes up like half of a mythos pack. Like how boring it is to go through the pack and see mm, that, all, yeah, that, yeah. that half the pack is these. Or it would be the same with the defensive stance and its ilk. Um, I would be very annoyed. I love the big box of all these cards at once because this no longer feels like, oh, that's like half my cards for the month or just this. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, one of the many reasons I love the new model. I think it's it. Yeah, just just to echo what Frank said a little bit of go. I think it's been quite a while since I'd actually found a stat booster exciting, <laughs> rather than it just being oh here's another stat booster to add to the collection that I could take, but I probably won't. So yeah, it, I just I'm I'm you know genuinely quite hyped to play with them. You know, Peter. Next time we do an event, I sh- we should go around and ask everyone taking part. Are you running a stat booster at this event? <laughs> yeah. And we do a little straw poll of how much people actually run them. Yeah, yeah. Also, I side, love... side comment. <laughs> I love both the name and the art on Plucky as well. I think combat yes. training's fine. I'd like, 
there's a guy with a gun. I think it's cool. He's, he's obviously keeping his composure as well, which I like. It's nice. But Plucky has just got a great bit of art. So good. <laughs> Peter slowly trying to get us to talk about survival well, cards. Well, what to, I was uh, going to say is, the, is it scientific? Daniela really enjoyed Scientific <laughs> method is like just a really boring bit of art. <laughs> it's got almost the same art as anatomical diagrams as well. Seeker has a lot of art. Like that's kind of all the same. Like that. <laughs> Frank and I keep threatening to do like a collection of every art that's a bit a book on a pedestal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think in, next time we do Arkham in Flames, Frank, we will have to do a picture round on the quiz. Match, just match books. The, match the book to the art of the book on the pedestal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So next we've got level three on the hunt. It's a zero cost guardian event. Uh, with one of each icon except agility, it's a tactic, and it has seven lines of text, uh, eight <laughs> lines of text, rather, <laughs> as follows. Fast, play when you would draw an encounter card during the mythos phase. Instead, search the encounter deck for an enemy, spawn it engaged with you instead of its normal spawn location, attach on the hunt to it, and shuffle the encounter deck. And then as a reactive ability, when you defeat attached enemy, gain three resources. So to be clear, what this has gained is you now search the whole encounter deck rather than the top nine cards. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you defeat the attached enemy, you get three resources. Mm-hmm. And both of those are good, I think. It's also lost one resource cost. Did it cost one resource? And yeah, it cost no one way. resource. Oh, and it, it did? <laughs> yeah, it's huh? gained a willpower I'm, icon. I'm looking this up because I don't believe that. Wow. <laughs> How, wow. how much on I think. air? <laughs> this is like when well, someone tells me um, "resourceful" wasn't in the core set. <laughs> I, I was just looking at "resourceful" recently. Yeah, it was like Carcosa, right? It was yeah. two, two cycles yeah. in. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it either. It yeah. was in the like inspiring presence Eureka cycle, right? It cost one resource. That's, that's correct. Insane. Yeah. Huh. And it doesn't have a willpower icon. Insert vindication gif here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm a huge on the hunt fan, so I'm going to dive in on on this. I realised one comment we could have made about our um, dodge as well, level zero dodge, is that one time I do see dodges as a one off in people's decks on stick to the plan, mm. and on the hunt is another card that I love putting on stick to the plan so that you have it ready. I think this is just a really awesome upgrade, as far as I can tell, because it opens up the options for what you do with this card just from those those two abilities the the two that it's gained if you're short on resources you could use this to go hunting for something you can kill easily and it's worked like an emergency cash while also skipping you a mythos phase mm-hmm. and also if you're doing well or you're ready to fight you go and select that scary enemy that you need to deal with and you fetch the you get the vp you don't worry about the resources at that point and you know i've used on the hunt obviously even on the cast, actually, to go hunting for Nile Athotep. So you can use it to hunt for really big targets. But yeah, you can also use it for VP hunting and things like that. I think it wouldn't necessarily be an immediate priority for me to upgrade into, but to give Guardians that ability to be even more actively monster hunting, and if you've got that one VP enemy left somewhere in the deck, and you, you don't have a big boss enemy at the end of a scenario, the Guardian says, okay, my, my last turn, I'm going to get us another VP plays on the hunt, fetches that enemy, deals with it in a couple of actions. I love that. I think that's great. Yes, I was just going to say that this is like Guardian Delve Too Deep. 
maybe less so in a high player count when you're likely to have drawn through the deck already anyway. <laughs> yeah. So I was not a big fan of On the Hunt, but I think this addresses all my issues with it, right? Like, it's it's free. It, you're ser- searching the whole deck is huge because you're not going to get stuck with an enemy that you didn't think of and, and can't face or... Uh, mm-hmm. Or and you're not going to waste the card because there don't ha- doesn't happen to be an enemy in the top nine. The resources are kind of icing on the cake to me. Like to me, I want my economy cards to work early in the game. Which and you would not play this turn one most likely mm-hmm. because you're probably not set up to deal with that enemy. Maybe maybe you are because you would have one turn before the mythos phase. But for the most part, that's yeah, ju- that's just kind of a nice to have. And I'm not going to be replacing my stand togethers or emergency caches with this. Mm-hmm. But I think it's excellent. I'm looking forward to playing it. It's almost like a how early can you justify playing it? How quickly can you get set up right. so that the game three resources is worthwhile? And if it's not that quick, then you're ignoring that last reaction ability and just going, okay, this is a VP hunter for me. And I think even with that, even if you do ignore that, this card, I mean, it's a VP hunter, but it also lets you take an enemy, which you're, you may rather deal with than some of the treacheries in the deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you might even combo it with, I mean, to go back to the course of evidence, or, you know, if you're a guardian, you have other benefits for having dealt with that mm-hmm. enemy. I th- I think it's an excellent card without the minor, without the three resources. I'm not sure it's worth the three experience. That's steep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost a two XP card. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think getting three resources out of nothing, I think in particular investigators, like say zoe especially if you get she gets across early you just like fetch up like a one health enemy especially ones that <laughs> don't spawn engage with you so like a, a whippoorwill or a, or a cultist or something like that mm-hmm. sorry an acolyte and it just like bang into you dead and you've got four well four resources in zoe or well, three because you've paid to use the cross i don't know i just i i think maybe i'm just more reckless than you folks I'd play it turn one. Why not? (laughs) Someone else gets you out of that that, that hole you dug yourself. (laughs) I I hadn't thought about Zoe with the cross. Yeah, that's... If you can find a one hit point enemy, depending on the scenario you're in, basically replacing your encounter draw with a bunch of resources instead. Yeah, it seems good. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Really nice. I think you, you, Brandon, you mentioned evidence, obviously the scene of the crime as well, and Greta Wagner now as well. Mm-hmm. So there is like a, ah, and interrogate if for some reason you're running interrogate. Like there is a suite of guardian cards that require enemies to get you clues. Mm-hmm. And being able to fetch the exact enemy you need to do that is really good. And obviously listeners to the cast will have heard me playing that style on the cast. So it can be a bit challenging on the hunt can whiff. You have to assemble all these pieces so you're ready to go, and adding this consistency to the card is really nice. Should we move on? Yeah. Yeah, who gets to read the, uh, oh, in no, my opinion, me. the showstopper? <laughs> I have got a cough intentionally for this situation. <laughs> this is a three cost, four XP event, the Fang of Tirthr. I think that was a good effort, right? That was pretty good. That was solid. Yeah. Tirthr. Two combat, two agility icons. It's a spell. Fight. Choose an enemy at any revealed location as the target for this attack. Before resolving this attack, you may move to that enemy's location. Add your agility to your combat for this attack. 
This attack deals plus three damage. The fangs of Tindalos reach any prey. I hear that. Brandon quite likes this card. I love this card. I think this card is amazing. It does have the issue that I brought up with Gang Up of costing a lot of resources. That's that's mm-hmm. an expensive event. But, man, to do four damage, that's probably going to hit because it's also buffing your your combat. I So I played this in Point of No Return. I was playing Lily in this week, and I <laughs> used this to jump four locations from the top of the tower down to the sea of bones where there was a dole and i threw a vicious blow into this and took out that five hit point dole in one hit from four locations away (laughs) it was amazing (laughs) one of the best actions i have ever taken in this game um yeah i I think that this card is is very very uh very strong very fun uh about the only time i would um turn it down would be if there's just a if, if there's not that many high hit point enemies because a lot of the damage could go to waste, but that's about the only downside in my book. Yeah, you want a big target, and you can play this where you're at the same location as them, but if you want to get value out of the move, you also maybe want big targets that spawn elsewhere. I'm thinking of um, Dim Carcosa. There are various enemies that spawn in specific locations that you might want to teleport to and just immediately remove, which is pretty nice. Because it's a spell, you can also uncage the soul, this Mm. and because you can play this from a location before you're engaged with an enemy you don't get hit for playing uncage the soul which i quite like you know you're standing there with lily and she then uncages the soul and disappears as she teleports across the map to stab a fang in someone i think that's kind of cool and she might have started with uncage the soul in her deck depending on what mystic card she's taking and then be transitioning out of that so yeah that's kind of cool I'm really excited by this card too as well. I mean, it is it is just a fight event, so it's a one and done, but there's something that just seems really exciting about teleporting and stabbing. And it brings your team, if you're playing multiplayer, it brings your team a lot of safety and a lot of, just because you have this in your hand, you can yeah. tell the seeker, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go two or three locations away. Like if you draw an enemy, I'll be right there. Uh, it, it allows your team to split up and remain safe in a way that mm. I can't think of very many other very many other cards that have really enabled that flexibility. And the teleport being optional as well is just it makes that even better. So you know your seeker can pull an enemy and you say, well, that's the only one you're going to get. So I, I'll kill it from here. Then I'm busy doing something over here anyway. And it's a it's a fight event, so it's not it's not causing an attack of opportunity if you're engaged with an enemy elsewhere. Uh, or, you know, you just move straight over to someone else. You could even imagine that if if, you're, if your Seeker's pulled like a small enemy, you could use it as, as movement efficiency just to move across the map. Mm-hmm. You two can see me on video. My eyes just got wide. It had not occurred to me that you, that you don't have to move. You, this damage can be yeah. done fully remotely from anywhere. Hadn't even crossed my mind. I... Part of me even wonders if that's an oversight in the templating of the card, because the flavor of the card seems like you're stabbing someone with a literal fang. Um, but well, it's, it, I, I, I'm imagining you're kind of stabbing them through through the ether, through the void, yeah. and you, you, your seeker who's there fighting off, trying to fight off a ghoul. Suddenly, just this knife wound appears in their chest, make you love the dead. I love because that. Hounds of Tinderloss sort of blink in and out of existence, don't they? So I guess. 
<laughs> you could blink in it into existence, stab it, but then not stay. It's got a lot of nice of nice effects strapped together. You can attack any unit, uh, any any enemy. You can move with it. You do a lot of damage with it. So even if you're at the location and you've got a big enemy on you, you can play this and mm-hmm. kill it. It's it's a it's a four fight <laughs> event. You know that in itself is nice. You end up with a boss like final location. We need to do lots of damage. It's like great. I don't care about the moving. I'm just going to pile in the damage here. Man, I was I was so high on this card coming into this conversation that I expected, if anything, to be kind of talked down. I did not expect to leave even more excited because I did not understand all of the versatility of this card. That's that's amazing. What happens if you if you fight against an enemy engaged with someone else? It doesn't care if you're there or not. You would hit them if you miss. I think you would. Yeah. Yeah. So the fang blinks into existence, comes towards the ghoul, then sort of the ghoul dodges and your seeker is impaled in the heart for 80% of their health. <laughs> That's a good point. Don't auto-fail on your fang test. <laughs> Does it work with... It doesn't matter about retaliate because you won't necessarily be engaged with the enemy unless you are, right? Is that right? Uh, retaliate doesn't care about yeah. engagement. Yeah, I don't think that matters for retaliate. It matters whether it's ready, yeah, uh, but it's, not, it's, not it's, whether yeah, it's engaged. What about aloof? Aloof, you can't. It can't be chosen. It can't be chosen right. if it's not engaged. Right. Yeah, you can you can deal damage to aloof enemies with something like Daniela's ability, uh, but not not this. I didn't bring it up this time. I didn't bring Daniela. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's one of I've played some Daniela and and um, using her wrench to just zero action kill whippoorwills. One of the highlights for sure. So I know I know she can kill aloof enemies. Wow, okay, yeah, so each retaliate says each time an investigator fails a skill test while attacking a ready enemy with the retaliate keyword, after applying all results for that skill test, that enemy performs an attack against the attacking investigator. So you could be attacking from across the map, but retaliate still goes off as usual. So you stab through the ether, then it's, it's missed, and it th- <laughs> flings a punch back through the ether. <laughs> Amazing. Peter, do you want to read us our last Guardian card? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is uh, Butterfly Swords. This is a level 3, 5 XP asset. So this is the upgraded version of the one we, we saw earlier. It has a combat, an agility, and a wild pip. And it has the item, weapon, and melee traits. Action, fight. You get plus 2 combat for this attack. After this attack, you may fight again, adding your agility to your skill value for that attack. If both attacks are successful... You may exhaust Butterfly Swords to have the second attack deal plus one damage. And this uses both hand slots as well. So let's just have a quick look, because this this actually changes the wording quite a bit from Butterfly Swords. So it gives us an additional combat boost for the, the first attack. For the second attack, you don't have to exhaust the Butterfly Swords. If both are successful, you can to deal an additional damage at that point. So it has become essentially a two damage weapon uh, with two tests associated to it, or you can do three damage once a turn, same same as the butterfly swords, I guess. But both sides of it have to be successful for that. Am, am, I, am I rambling? I feel like I'm rambling. No, you're making a lot of sense. So butterfly swords level two, the most damage you could do in a normal three action turn was five with yeah. just the swords. One mm-hmm. damage, one damage. One damage, two damage, five. Yes. With Butterfly Swords, five, the most damage you can now do is seven. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. So you can go one 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 two. <laughs> so it's gone up by two damage over the turn to seven, but really the the damage that is important for most fighting is around the two to four threshold, isn't it? Yeah. And how efficiently mm-hmm. you can do that. So it's it's not got any better for anything less than a five health. Is that right? A four uh, health you do in two actions without yes. exhausting, which you'd also yeah. do in two actions with the butterfly sword. Okay. It's just that it makes all of those actions easier. Yes, yeah. And you don't yeah, you don't exhaust it either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you'd be forgiven if you were rambling a little on this, because there's a lot to ramble about on this. It's it's straight in comparing to the lower level version, what strikes me as really strange is that with level two butterfly swords, if you miss your first attack, you can still exhaust it for a two damage on the back half. That's not an option here. Uh, you don't have to exhaust it to take the second attack for one damage. But if you miss that first attack, one is the best you can get. Uh, so this is not like strictly better. There are situations where the level two would have been better to have in a, in a situation than this. Which is not what I'm looking for out of a level 5 upgrade. <laughs> mm. It's a lot of XP to spend, right? Yeah. For something which I feel like, outside of some particular situations, it's not going to be that much better. I mean, you get a plus 1 skill, obviously, so you're attacking it plus 2 combat rather than plus 1. But actually, for a lot of regular enemies, unless you're fighting a lot of enemies as well, is the other thing. If there's a lot of enemies mm-hmm. coming out, it, it's probably better. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of XP to ask for that. It feels like theme over mechanic win here as well. That like you can get to the end of your turn and have taken six tests with different boosts and you've been doing like slash, 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 small bits of damage. <laughs> I think there'll be players who'll love that and be like, yeah, I get to test so many times. That was amazing. But normally what you're looking for in your five XP guardian weapons is consistency of hitting and mm-hmm. dealing big bits of damage. I think even, I said something to this effect about the previous Butterfly Swords. I think even more here, that where this really excels is if you're fighting a lot of enemies. So I look at this as, like, I wouldn't upgrade to this except unless I was playing three or four players and was going to see mm-hmm. multiple situations per game where I had several enemies at the same location to divide up these attacks between. Because then the amount of damage that it can dish out is more relevant and the way that you can split each of these actions in half and attack two different things. And also pick and choose which of those actions you might throw a vicious blow into or modify in other ways. I think that could become really interesting. Plus, I think the flavor of the like you're this whirling dervish with these two with these two blades is uh, super cool. Yeah, mm, yeah. It, rather than it being like I'm the flamethrower guy, right. I burn everything down in four damage hits. It's like I will make sushi out of all of these things. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's the thousand cuts method. Yeah, I was trying to think if there was something that would work with doing a lot of attacks rather than fewer bigger attacks and all mm. i've got is lita chandler but if you if you do have lita chandler you know you <laughs> absolutely destroy monsters using these that's true yeah because you're doing one action will get you one two three four five damage on a monster that's pretty good yeah Gold yeah in one action <laughs> I don't yeah. know how much of a selling point being good in the core set is for like a, what are we on the seventh cycle? A level five card <laughs> yeah. from the seventh cycle is, but yeah, I was racking my brain for the same reason for, are, is there any kind of effect or asset that triggers every time you deal damage or every time you fight that would mm-hmm. make the quantity of fights that you're squeezing into one turn really beneficial? 
I couldn't think of much, but maybe no, we'll I... see. Maybe we'll see future cards that that bring new life to this. Well, and this is the downside of the new release model. One of the very few downsides, because I'm also a fan of it and I'm liking that we get these families of cards in one go, but we can't do the classic thing of first looks historically and say, well, maybe there'll be a card down the line that does X or Y. And like, I, I have also done the same. Is there a card out there that says for each successful attack you did this turn? Yeah. Almost like payday for actions, but a sort of a guardian one for each successful attack you did this turn get a resource or draw a card or whatever. There isn't that card and we're not expecting it later in the cycle because this is all we're getting. So yeah, it's kind of weird. That I'm it's... even sure there's, and you've also probably never off the top of your head, but I'm sure there's enemies that get better when you attack them or, or, or they gain bonuses when you attack them rather than vice versa. There are, I think Carcosa did some of that where you're putting Doom on cultists and they're getting their fight skill buffed for how much doom is on them, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. yeah, so you're right. You might get punished for this more than rewarded as far as all the attacks it does. Well, hitting the, the exposed heart of the blob as well for every damage on that, the fight oh, yeah. value goes up. So yeah. you do not want to be doing like chop, 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 chop. You want to do a few really big hits yeah, and try not to test at difficulty 10 or 15 or whatever it can go up to. So yeah, it's a, it's a strange 5 XP weapon, I would say. We've already looked at the Cyclopean Hammer. We're going to look at another big weapon later on in this episode. Listeners can guess which one. For, yeah, for me, my, my feeling is it, it goes for flavor over anything else. Yeah, and one thing that I look for, in a, especially in a no-ammo level 5 weapon, is how does it compare to Time Worn Brand? And I don't think this compares favorably. Right, That Time Worn Brand can dish out, ignoring its like once-per-game ability, it can dish out 6 damage per turn with a one-hand weapon leaving your other mm-hmm. hand open for, for whatever else. I, I honestly can't see why I would run this over, over Time Worn Brand unless it was just for, for flavor purposes because this just felt right with Lily or something like that. You were desperate to get that plus one willpower from your level two bandolier by wielding a two-handed <laughs> weapon. <laughs> like, that's maybe, a lot maybe, of effort yeah. that you're going to to, to justify it. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that ends the Guardian XP cards of Edge of the Earth investigator expansion for players yes but as we did in the other second looks we've thrown in a few of the multi-class cards to look at with you now brandon okay do you want to read us our first one of those sure uh we've got level one on the trail which is a pretty golden card with uh that is a survivor excuse me a seeker and guardian card it's a one cost event an insight, and a tactic, and it says, choose an enemy at any location other than yours. Either move twice toward that enemy, or discover one clue at any empty location between you and the chosen enemy along the shortest path to reach that enemy. The game is afoot. It's just giving me a headache reading it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there's a lot to unpack here, Uh, and I'm not sure it's worth unpacking, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) Do we want to, do we want to read this the level three one as well and, and talk about the effects or should we talk about this one briefly first let's talk about this one briefly first because i think we can just paint a very narrow picture of when you might use it with <laughs> whippoorwills or acolytes right wherever they've spawned the guardian could move towards that location gets two moves for one resource and uh, one xp and the seeker in theory could just get a clue if there's a revealed empty location yeah. between those two 
and they have to not be there because it has to be an empty location. So you can't get a clue at your own location once an aloof enemy or an enemy that spawns further away spawns. Or the location the enemy's at. Yeah, there has to be a gap between yeah. them. So in those situations, <laughs> you can use this to pick up clues. And I I don't think that's... I don't think that in itself is terrible to save the action moving to a location and getting the clue. But broadly speaking, the way that most people play is that they don't run around the map opening up all the locations and then work their way back getting all the clues. Mm -hmm. They move to a location, get the clues, move on. And maybe this would encourage some guardians who are using tricks to get clues to play a little bit more in that way. But you're relying, A on the encounter deck having enemies that don't spawn on you, and B, having this card in hand and being able to position yourself so that you can get the clue from a location between you and that enemy, which is fiddly. Yeah, I think that you've reduced it, a l- like, you've had a very solo mindset in your analysis kind of there. Oh, with, absolutely, with just the, yeah. With just the whippoorwills and, and acolytes, um, in a multiplayer game, you're a lot more likely to be able to mm-hmm. set this up, or, or uh, again, it kind of plays into that playstyle that the Fang, or that, uh, maybe not playstyle, but the, the it opens up some of the same tactics that the Fang mm-hmm. did, where you can split up from the other players a little more than you would. That said, I've tried this in multiplayer, and we still found it extremely niche and hard to line up in a particularly useful way. And this costing an action, a card, and a resource to move twice is like doesn't feel like a great deal. It feels like uh, I think we've we've commented on some of the the, the multi faction cards uh, when they're good. They really feel like a blend of the two factions that they're they're, they're they belong to, or two or more factions they belong to. This really feels like. You get a guardian effect, or you get a secret effect, mm-hmm. and one class or the other will prefer that effect. So, if you're the seeker and your guardian is is engaged with an enemy elsewhere, you can get a free clue. If you're a guardian and your seeker is engaged elsewhere with a monster, you can move towards them to help them. But I don't think there are many characters investigators who would want both sides of that. And if you're just using either side of it, there's a lot better options in either faction. For doing those kind of effects. Mm-hmm. So like if I'm in Guardian. You know I'm taking something like Get Over Here. Or Heroic Rescue. Or you know there's loads of cards like that. I'm, it might take take um, the fang of Tear Thrur. Thr- thr- <laughs> to move to an enemy. And then they're getting the, the, the clue side of it. Again I think this. If you name like 10. People already don't take Seeking Answers. Which gets clues <laughs> at, at neighbouring right. locations. And it doesn't care if there are enemies at those locations. And yeah. yeah. There's a lot in the way to this card being useful. Depending on your kind of what you think of like the the philosophy around the classes and things, like a multi-class card kind of should be worse than either yes. class would get as a single class for the same reason that neutrals should be on the worst side. That mm-hmm. said, this one, it's just worse to the point of not not very useful <laughs> at all, unfortunately. Well, should, do, do you want to read out the level three version then? And we'll see if that resolves any of our issues with this. So next we have On the Trail level 3. It's also still a one-cost event. It's now got two intellect icons, a combat icon, and an agility icon. It's insight and tactic traded. It says choose an enemy at any location other than yours. Move twice towards that enemy. Discover one clue at each location you entered by this effect fans of the show might be experiencing deja vu because this is also a card we announced on oh, Twitch. Right. 
not knowing that there was a level one version. Yes. Yeah, same thing happened to us with uh, e- Eon Sleet, Eon Chart. Anyway, yeah. Eon Chart, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we didn't know we were previewing the higher version. The, the level one version almost seems like it was designed to fill a gap at level one once this one had been designed. Because this hmm. this feels so much better than the level one version, it's kind of comical. You could a lot of the criticisms you could level at the level one version. This this then solves absolutely. Like it's it's far more. Suddenly, both sets of people who didn't want to play on the trail level one are happy to play this because it's a way for guardians both to move towards enemies and engage them, uh, not engage them, move towards them, but also find a few clues. That just it it's it just blends the two effects in a far more interesting way than I think the level one version does. I agree. It is still you still might have entire games where you just never really get a situation to play it. it it's it's still a little niche and, and it still requires there you know there has to be an enemy that's not on you already and to to really to make this feel good and there have to be clues at kind of its location and ideally another location on the way. For, for the same reasons you were talking about, where you're not usually leaving a lot of clues on locations you've been to if you can avoid it. Like, I don't know, I, I still kind of raise an eyebrow at this. Uh, I do agree that it's it's far better, and I would at least like to try this out. Mm. There's there's two situations I'm thinking of that this might really fit in nicely. One is Rougarou, where oh, there yeah. would be clues <laughs> scattered, yeah. and there will be an enemy far away from you that you're trying to get to. Totally. And going on the trail of... The werewolf feels like really thematically nice, and it, it's doing exactly what you need to do, covering a lot of distance, collecting clues. The other thing I was thinking about was actually, this is quite a nice, I suppose, aggressive card. It is nice about making progress. If you've had that early, I don't know, acolyte or any other cultist that spawns far away from you that's doing its own business, or you think about like in Echoes of the Past, when you start the game and there are already the seekers of Carcosa in play generating doom if you're the the guardian player you're like right i'm gonna start compressing some actions heading up that way and i'll get some clues on on route and that's i think that's no bad thing but that does require you then as the guardian seeker kind of rush player to be ready to go quickly and wanting to make use out of that so in that way it fits its classes really neatly that It's the Roland or Joe style of like, I'm going to go really quickly, I'm going to kill enemies efficiently and get clues as I do it. Which is, yeah, Hmm. not too bad. I I don't even necessarily think it's the worst thing in the world if you play this to move into a connecting location with an enemy and get a clue there. Because you might well have a location where you need to get clues, but there's an enemy in the way. Hmm. This lets you just pick up... So, you know, just to pick an example, where you've got the, the hidden chamber in uh, Blood on the Altar, uh, where there's Seth. You just... Mm-hmm. Is it Seth? Or Silas? Whichever one is the monster. Silas. Silas. Uh, you just move in and get a clue. And uh, there's similar ones, like with the experiment and things like that, where you've got like that big enemy, you can just pop into their location, you get a clue automatically. I don't think playing it for one is necessarily terrible. It's maybe not worth the three XP, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <That> was... <laughs> I was going to say for for that situation, I would have much rather had the level zero working a hunch in my hand, right? Um, yeah, true. You could have just for the same number of actions moved in and gotten a clue there. You'd be spending an extra resource, but saving a lot of experience. So yes, like that, 
is an example of the flexibility that this card can have so that you at least get some use out of it. But like, if that's the, this, if that's how it's most often playing out, I, I'm, I'm not too excited by it. Remember though that this could be taken by a pure guardian character as well. So like say Mark could take it if he wants to get some clues. I appreciate Mark would, if he's going to get clues, he's maybe got better ways of doing it than taking <laughs> this, <laughs> but he certainly can't take working a hunch. That's true. That raises a good point. If you're going to get clues in Guardian, not by using your intellect, there is now a hierarchy of cards that you're looking at. And we've seen, you know, evidence seen of the crime, Greta Wagner, lesson learned, interrogate. Where does this fall on that pecking order? Mm. And obviously this is almost certainly a multiplayer card. Thank you for pulling me up on that, Brandon. But, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for 3 XP, does it fight its way into one of those places in, in most Guardian decks? I'm not convinced about that. But happy, as ever, to be proved wrong. It's one of those cards where someone will have a fantastic action using it. Um, mm-hmm. And who are we to take away that fun from them? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but even, even if most of the time it sits in your hand not doing that much. Mm-hmm. And there are scenarios that generate new clues, like um, Wages of Sin, halfway through, a shed load of clues spew onto the map, and there's a load of uh, heretics that you need to go to. So there are definitely times in the game where I can see it having uses. It's just, um, it maybe doesn't fit into the normal play patterns of most groups. I'm in a weird position where, since the box isn't actually out here in the U.S. yet, I've only looked at some of the cards, kind of as Stephen and I have been um, reviewing them for for uh, the YouTube channel. So I haven't actually looked at that Cyclopean Hammer I've heard people talk about, but is, <laughs> oh, there, wow. is there anything to knocking an enemy away and then chasing it with this and getting clues that way? Is that a thing? For, for start, the theme on that, where you like knock an enemy <laughs> through a wall with a hammer, and then you're like, aha, I think it went this way. <laughs> I, I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. If you can control the movement of enemies, you can engineer situations where you can go on the, tr- on the trail with them, for sure. Same, actually, with Jeanne Beauregard. You can move an enemy to you or move an enemy out of a location as well. <laughs> you can run towards an enemy and then switch it behind you and say, it's behind me! It's like, oh, yeah, we know that. Yeah. <laughs> Peter, do you want to read us our penultimate card? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, This is a zero-cost level one event called Snipe. It is Guardian and Rogue class. It has a combat and an agility pip, and it has the tactic trait. During the next fight action you perform this turn using a ranged or firearm asset, treat each skull, cultist, tablet, elder thing, or autofail token you reveal as a zero token. This action does not provoke attacks of opportunity. Did you say, Frank, you said something about this card before we started. You were very puzzled by it. Yeah, I'm scratching my head about it. I I don't think it's terrible. I think one thing I noticed at the last minute was that it works on the autofail token, which is a really nice addition. It sort of feels like a defiance to me, in that if you map out the bag and tokens that are going to fail you the test, it is probably kind of adding, inverted commas, a lot of icons to the test you're taking. That would be my my feel, if you're using mm-hmm. ranged or firearm assets. I haven't tried this yet, but the fact that it's rogue and guardian, and then that it protects against the auto fail, 
it makes me think shotguns, 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 <laughs> yeah. right? Like you, 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 you build your deck. Or, shotguns are a weapon that you almost definitely build your deck around getting those really high success attacks to deal lots of damage all at once. There's what three or four shotguns in the game now. They all have a, a similar mechanic in that way. And that's about the only time I can see wanting to spend a whole action before attacking to do something like that is when you really, you've like, this is the moment where this shotgun needs to be doing, I'm throwing in some vicious blows, so seven damage, and I do not want to auto-fail. Uh, that's where I'd maybe play this. I do find that kind of ironic, because who snipes with shotguns? Shotguns, yeah, I was just thinking that. I mean, yeah. the other Guardian Rogue card in the set is the old shotgun. I don't know whether there's right. another one. But yeah, there is a shotgun in the set as well. Mm. I, yeah, I keep draw think, holster as well. I keep thinking oh, okay. old shotgun must be a survivor card because it starts with no ammo in it, and that feels like a very survivor <laughs> concept. But yeah, I think that's the one purpose. I think it's for shotgun decks. I don't know when else you would you would spend an experience on this. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Or, or you're doing some other kind of nonsense with skill cards, and you're doing something like a you're doing it from an adjacent location or something like that, or double double or nothing um, a lightning gun or something. If you're running forbidden cards by the taboo list, yeah. Well, maybe you are. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Taboo list is completely optional. Mm-hmm. I think it's that for me. I think I'm stuck on the fact that I read all of this text, and it was only when it got to the final sentence that I realised this wasn't fast. Yeah, right. and yeah, to me, that, it's kind brutal. of crying out to be a fast effect. Yeah, for a card and an XP, just to smooth the bag for one action, and the fact that it's a it's saying turn a fight action into a double fight action, but will significantly improve your odds. Yeah. Brandon, I really like what you suggested because I then went down that rabbit hole of, well, what are those actions that you really want to be really successful? And I hadn't quite got to shotguns. I think, yeah, if you're piling a load of other things in, your vicious blows, your your skill cards that you want to trigger, it to me falls into the same trap as eat lead, where if it's a really important attack you're already committing enough to take pretty much every token out of the bag. And then it's just about whether or not you hit the autofail. Yeah, but to me, I feel like if you work out the maths on how many tokens it takes out of the bag, if you're marginal on a test, rather Mm. than committing a lot of cards, it may be surprising. When I did the maths, someone told me once that Defiance was like, a slightly better unexpected courage or something like that in terms of what it takes out the bag. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't seem like it's that good. But when you work it out and you look at the bag and you say, okay, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, it's had the same effect. So it's taken the same number of tokens as the extra icon would have. So Mm. I don't know. I, I don't have a good feel for it. And obviously it's going to be campaign dependent, but it might be surprising. (laughs) I'm not saying it's going to be, but it might be surprising how many tokens it takes out of the bag if you're, say, one under, or sorry, one over the the difficulty of the test. Because if you're one over the difficulty of test, I mean, I completely follow what you're saying there, and I agree with it, and I can see myself then pulling the minus two. Like, that's where it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's getting you over for lots of different tokens, yeah. but it's not giving you what most people, when they boost, want to do, which is to just push you past a certain yeah, threshold. Yeah, most people are wrong, though. <laughs> <laughs> you heard the, it here the, first. The, the, the point yeah. is not the numerical vi- value of the tokens. It's how many tokens in the bag are going to pass or fail you the test. Yeah. If, if there's two minus two tokens in the bag and there's two skull tokens in the bag, and the two skulls go from failing me the test to passing me the test, 
mathematically, it's as good as two icons. Mm-hmm. So, it, I mean, if, if you imagine, I don't know, but there's one, two, say, say you've got, I don't know, three skull tokens and one of all the rest. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven tokens, which yeah. might have failed you the test, which will now pe- pass you the test instead. Yeah. And so if you've got two minus twos, a minus three, a minus four, and you're taking the test at one over, yeah. so those will also fail you, playing this card for an action takes seven tokens out of the test, Yeah. where committing two icons... Yeah two icons would only take the minus twos and whichever of the other special tokens. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah which, 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 I'm not saying it's good. <laughs> I'm definitely not saying it's good. And I think the, the... You're sure risking a lot, though. Like, sure, you, you might be raising your odds of success to 50%, but you've spent a whole nother action on it, making it that much more painful if you have... If you do still fail. I absolutely agree with you. And I, I think I would happily take another another XP pip to give this fast over what mm-hmm. it is at the moment. I don't think even fast on it as is, is is really hurting it, to be honest. I don't think it's 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 suddenly going to be an old X because it's already limited to range and firearm assets. Mm. Which which is, I mean, certain archetypes use it, but it, they're not like massively commonplace in every single deck. So I, I think the, the bad thing about it isn't the effect, it's the fact it doesn't have fast, is, is what I would say. You can, and I just checked this, um, tactic is one of the traits that Chuck Fergus can make fast. Yeah. So if, yes. if you want to turn this into a three-card combo of Chuck, Snipe, and a gun, um, <laughs> that's, that's a thing you could try. I don't know if does, that's uh, worth... What's his third... He can, he can reduce the cost, he can make it fast. What's his last... Does he have he can plus two. Yeah, add two to the skill value during the resolution of the event, which I think doesn't apply here since the test is not during this event. So all um, that yeah. it's getting from Chuck is the speed. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned ranged and firearm as the sort of the niche of it as well. And then I thought, okay, well, ornate bow, you're normally only attacking once a turn. It's a ranged weapon because obviously you're then needing to reload. So if you really want that arrow to hit, maybe you want to spend an extra action to snipe with your ornate bow. This is me scraping the barrel to find no I, places I, that you might be interested. Yeah, I just think everything I've said only really applies if it's a fast card because it's like a you then compare it to a skill card rather than to yeah. to an event. Yeah, because you don't spend an action to commit your Exa- unexpected exactly, courage. Yeah. How many icons yeah. would you want on a, on a card uh, on a skill card for it to cost an action to commit? A lot yeah. is the answer to yeah. that question. I would say. Yeah. Well. If you're going to spend multiple attacks on an action, might I suggest a different card entirely? <laughs> and what you mean, like any other weapon? <laughs> well, I had I had a specific weapon in mind. Do you mind if I go on to the next card? Yeah, please, please. <laughs> right, yeah, the Sledgehammer. It's a Guardian and Survivor level 4 multi-class card. So hey, another, another Survivor level 4 card. It is a three-cost asset with triple combat icons on it. It's an item, a tool, weapon, and melee traded, and it says, as an action fight, you get plus one combat and deal plus one damage for this attack. Or its next ability costs an action, an action, and another action to fight. (laughs) You get plus five combat and deal plus five damage for this attack. Uh, It does take up both your hands, and it is 25 pounds of steel vengeance. Uh, I love this card. Have either of you gotten to play with it yet? No, I, 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 when I built my Daniela deck, <laughs> bringing it back to that, I put <laughs> uh, a placeholder in for Sledgehammer, and then I forgot to put Sledgehammer in. 
But that was Sledge. Uh, it wasn't even Sledgehammer level four. It was the, it was the, the base level Sledgehammer. Right. So no, it, it's on my list of ones to try soon, but I haven't yet. Have you had a chance to use it? So actually, I have not yet played the level four uh, Sledgehammer. I just upgraded it to it in my Daniela deck, but I have played the lower level one and. I, I adore everything about this card, from, from the flavor of, like, you can do a light little swing or uh, really throw your, your effort into it and, and do a big attack to, especially, I think that the level zero one is a really interesting, like, moment-to-moment decision-making yeah. design, because the lower attack is minus one combat and plus mm-hmm. one damage, and so you really are both considering how much damage you want and h- how can you make up for that reduced combat. These are all things because we we covered that on our first looks when we did the multi-class cards, and you've, you're repeating what I said. Like it, I loved that card; it was really interestingly designed because it just it it gave you a lot of like uh, things to chew over how exactly how you wanted to approach things when you were using it, which I really really like. No, no doubt, yes, and, and just the yeah the, the flavor of taking these ghouls and just like smashing their head in a, <laughs> a hammer. <laughs> I adore. Oh. I will say I had a little trouble with this in Daniela. I'm not sure that she wants a two-handed weapon for Daniela specifically, even though this is like in her box and it's her classes. Um, she needs to hold her wrench, and so she needs a bandolier. But then she doesn't have bandolier two available to kind of get better use out of that slot as she levels up. And so as you level up and and leave that level zero bandolier in, kind of doing nothing except adding a hand slot, it feels worse and worse in my experience. Mm-hmm. So. I'm not sure the next time I play Daniela, I will be using the sledgehammer, but I, I I still adore the card. Yeah, it just like it's it's very much. A, I had a friend who uh, it was a card in a different game, uh, but he, he commented on it. It's got a ten on it, and it's not a cost. So so it's a good card, mm-hmm. <laughs> or certainly one worth looking at. And this has a plus five and a plus five on one of it, which is which adds up to ten. So I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. So so. In what circumstances then <laughs> do you use the second? Because it's it's the same as it's the same as using the first one three times, but you get Just more boost plus two combat. Yeah, yeah, right. That hmm, that's a good point. That it is the same number of damage as using the first one three times. Yeah, but you leave yourself massively open if you miss, <laughs> but you're far less likely to miss <laughs> because you've got plus five to your combat. God damn right, snipe, why do you not work with <laughs> melee weapons? Well you wouldn't have the action. That's the problem. You wouldn't. You need a four actions. Yeah. It's it's true. Like it's a good way to deal with well, yeah, it, it gets you up to a point where all that can really and I'm guaranteed that now the next time you uh, take this action you'll auto fail, but all that can really thwart <laughs> you is the auto fail, right? Um or or maybe like a bad streak of curses put in by people playing other colours. Uh so hmm. That's yeah, you're right. The, the triple action is maybe a really niche um, actual play. And, and I found myself doing the double action on the lower level sledgehammer a decent amount of the time. Although similarly to that, it was even still kind of niche because with a with a guard dog in play and Danielle's innate ability and all these other ways to ping one damage at a time, I didn't find myself needing the chunk of damage all that yeah. often. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I actually don't really think it's a Daniela card. I don't think the level up one is either. But I, I want to combine this with the new level three on the hunt, right? Like find the biggest enemy in the deck and then just smash, smash. it. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get three resources, get a victory point, uh, and, and have a great time doing it. 
I think you could even I could even envisage a situation where you're fighting a high fight for health enemy and you take the extra action to really smash it to get the yeah. plus five boost rather than having to boost the plus one twice. Mm. Mm. For sure. That's just it, right? Because the triple action, you're so far over the threshold, probably. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> that if you need, that you might be willing to sacrifice one of your actions for more damage for the boost. Yeah. Because if yeah, if you do two attacks with the top action, you're only getting plus one. So it, it almost becomes a how much how much like it's almost like the Chicago typewriter where you can spend actions for boost. It's just that you don't get the choice. You can either commit to the big swing or not. Complete tangent, but the flavor. I don't know if you noticed this, but have you I read have. the flavor on level zero sledgehammer? Yes, I was just going to point this out. <laughs> yeah. So level zero is twenty pounds of steel vengeance. And level four is twenty-five pounds of steel vengeance. It's the same art, same name. The hammer has just got heavier. One of the reasons I love this card, no doubt, is that you upgrade the flavor text. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what you're paying most of the XP for. I think. <laughs> I think so. I think so. <laughs> I think that this is the thing I like about it. Just listening to both of you talking about it and how fascinating it is about the choice it lets you make. And I think. One thing worth noting here is if you're a dedicated fighter, either in Guardian or in Survivor, if you play this card down, your entire hand could be emptied. You might have no other ways of boosting tests, but you've still got a card that gives you a plus five if you need it. Right. And yeah, you draw that four or five health enemy. Maybe you do say I'm sacrificing actions this turn because I know that I'm going to almost know I'm going to hit with this swing. So it's worth it. Um, other weird edge cases is again the blob like if you're the person who wades in on the exposed heart last and it's taken eight damage and it's fight eight and you're like don't worry i'll just uh <laughs> drop six damage into it yeah. at, at 12 combat going into the test yeah exactly <laughs> just <laughs> smash that heart i've wondered before if the edge of the earth campaign will see some big enemies mm. Because we've seen quite a few cards that do have quite high damage thresholds on them. And I wonder if there will be some, say, a few really large enemies rather than the normal distribution of enemies, maybe with high fight or maybe with lots of health. And then maybe that changes the the logic on whether you pack a sledgehammer over a butterfly sword, say. They'd seem so polar opposites in terms of how they deal out the damage. Yeah, although one thing we, uh, I, I don't know how hard you try not to spoil things like campaign previews, but there are maybe some more ways than usual to autofail in, in the uh, mm. Edge campaign okay. that, would, that would also worry me about pouring three actions into the Sledgehammer uh, Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah, so, so I will be very interested to see what the campaign is, because that's always kind of the other side of the coin, right, is the... The player cards are not uh, ex- entirely and explicitly designed for the campaign, but there's usually some synergy in what the campaign is going to throw at you and what the cards in that cycle mm. are doing, and we yeah. just haven't seen that side of it yet. Yeah, yeah. I've just thought as well, you know, we've been pretty Guardian-focused this episode, but it is Survivor, so, you know, if you're playing this as Wendy, maybe you're only <laughs> doing the triple action and you're swinging at a six. <laughs> I'm... Yeah. I- I'm just cracking up at the visual of, of little Wendy with a sledgehammer. 
and yeah, you know, there are other there are other homes in Survivor that they might they might enjoy a really powerful weapon like this. Unlike many Survivor weapons, there's no unreliability baked in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fight plus one plus one is pretty pretty as steady as it gets really unlimitedly okay are we happy to to end it there yeah yeah we talked for quite a while actually i think so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had a lot to say so <laughs> that is the end of this second look brandon what's your favorite card of this selection oh, it's tough i think i've been pretty clear that there are two that i really love and they are sledgehammer and the fang of tirthra um between the two it might it might be the fang uh, and, and I think it took the lead over the sledgehammer when Peter pointed out, I think it was, what, sorry, one of you pointed out uh, that you don't even Peter. have to move, right? Yeah, <laughs> that it was, can, yeah, uh, yeah, it was me. I'll, I'll take credit for that. That, that you can deal that damage from a distance. Um, uh, amazing. It's one of, the, one of the most versatile uh, and potentially just in how much it can accomplish. Uh, one, one of the most splashy cards I think we've seen in the game yet. And, and I'm excited to, to windmill slam it. <laughs> into the game again and again how about you Peter I mean obviously snipe uh, <laughs> snipe forever snipe lover I, I do like I, the sledgehammer as well I think I made my feelings clear when we looked at sledgehammer level 0 I, it's a really nice in a way the level 0 one's almost got a more interesting design because it, it's more chewy there's more to weigh in the decision I think this one is probably you know, you just use that top fight most of the time, and then occasionally it might be better to go for the triple one. But I think just from a theme point of view, it feels like you'll have you'll have done your dues <laughs> with the level zero version to get this, and you've, you'll have earned the upgrade. Mm-hmm. So I really like that. And also, I think uh, this might become a theme, but I think I'm going to pick combat training as well. I think those in a faction which wants maybe wants to be soaking things more as well. Uh, I think that's a really nice card, and I'm really excited to start playing with the composures a bit more. How about you, Frank? Yeah, the Fang for me was definitely standing out, but actually on the Hunt as well, I think is really cool. It does feel pricey at 3 XP, but I think it's really powerful. I think it's the kind of card that I'd never be sad to see, and you could, depending on what scenario, and you can do so much with it, so I'm going to go on the Hunt. With honourable mention to sweeping kick. <laughs> One last thing for oh, on the yeah. hunt, which which I think is is a shame. One of my f- favourite builds was always skids with all of the um, the pickpocketing things like that in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'd fish out an enemy and then just constantly evade it, stealing money out of yeah. its pockets. So you can't do that with this one because it's level three. Um, so that's sad, but I do like it nonetheless. Brandon, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so thank you so much for having me on. This was a blast. And you can find more of me uh, on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash optimal play is is the place to find that. And then just, uh, well, after you subscribe, of course, click into any video. And in the description of all the videos, we have links to our social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Uh, have a cozy little quiet Discord server uh, that that you're uh, more more than welcome to check out. And uh, yeah, once more, optimal play is a channel where we... uh, do a lot of Arkham content, including first impressions of the cards, much like your podcast episodes. And we do cover um, other board and card games as well. So if you want to see some gameplay of uh, the first few games of Clank Legacy or CSGIT, our butts humiliatingly kicked by basic uh, pandemic. <laughs> you know, wow. We've got all that for you, too. Yeah. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the channel. And yeah, we're really grateful to have you on the show thank you so much for joining us 
Uh, I'm not going to do our normal sign off, but you can get in touch with the podcast. We're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. We're drawn to the flame everywhere online. So yeah, please let us know what you think of this, the third, second look. Thanks very much for listening. And I guess we stop there, even though Peter has just... This has never (laughs) happened before. (laughs) Yeah. We finished, Peter. There, yeah. We finished. We've signed off. Do you want to say say thank you? (laughs) Thank you. Cool. Let's stop recording, everyone. I'm going to edit that in. (laughs) Sounds good.